0: good morning. What an awesome day. You know, we, we kind of set aside a day for orphans and you know, it's, it's kind of crazy. We get mixed emotions sometimes when we talk about orphans because, uh, man, orphans are, are a huge need in our world, right? And, It's such a big deal in our world that we can respond a couple different ways. We can respond with it being such a big deal that it's too big for us to even comprehend, so we put it out of our mind and knew nothing about. Uh, Or we we can minimize it and say it's not that big a deal and it's not really our call to make an impact in the life of an orphan or a child that's in need. Or we can actually say, yeah, it is. It is our call to make a difference. Instead of maximizing it so we do nothing or minimizing it so we do nothing, we've got to see it as it is. And, you know, there's some overwhelming things, without a doubt, about the need of orphans in this world. You know, the first time I went overseas, I went to Bulgaria and um, went, you know, for the purpose of doing evangelism. And I knew we were going to do some camps and we were going to do some uh, evangelism on the beach and the and Bulgaria, and, but I didn't really know much about anything, honestly. You know, I'd never been out of the country, and I'd never been anywhere where there were some real needs, and though, you know, you could sit in your, your living room and watch TV and kind of go, yeah, I get it, I see some needs, and I understand, I think I have a pretty good worldview, you know, you don't really get a perspective until you actually get somewhere in the world, and you realize that, man, a lot of the world doesn't live like we live. You know, the first part of our trip to Bulgaria, we spent with Gypsy kids and orphans, Roma kids and orphans, and uh, honestly, it was it was incredible. But you don't realize sometimes that you know there is a world where need is is real. It's not perceived need. It's not when we are uncomfortable and we claim that we have a need, but need is real you know i met a a young man named ruman who was an orphan he was 17 years old he was going to turn 18 probably in the next four or five months and they were going to kick him out of the orphanage well ruman came to know christ that week and uh so i matter of fact i had the chance to sit with him as he prayed to receive christ and i got to hear his story Uh, when he was 12 his dad killed his mom And then his dad killed himself. Ruman had three younger brothers and sisters. And so he didn't know what else to do because there wasn't anybody in Bulgaria that was going to take care of them. So Ruman tried to take care of his little brothers and sisters until he realized he couldn't. And then they got stuck in an orphanage. And in the orphanage, unspeakable things happened. And Ruman was... uh, an alcoholic and a drug addict because he couldn't stand all that was going on in his orphanage. But he came to know Christ that week and uh, said, pray for me because at 18, they're going to put me out of the orphanage and I don't have anywhere to go. And I don't know how anybody's going to take care of me because there's not anybody here that is going to step up because everybody in Bulgaria is poor and no one has the money to take care of me. And so the last... 10 years, when I think about Ramon, I pray for him. I have no idea what happened to him, but I pray for him. Thanking God that he knows Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Throughout the week, you begin to notice things. You begin to notice that these children don't change their clothes. And you know, in the States, when you go to camp with kids, they don't always change their clothes either. <clears throat> but it was different, right? Because none of them change their clothes. And I mean none. All the kids that we had, we probably had 60 kids, whether they were Roma gypsy kids or whether they were orphans, not one ever changed their clothes. And so, you know, I mean, I'm a dumb American, right? I don't know what the deal is. Maybe that's customary. I know they're poor, so all right, maybe they don't have many clothes, so maybe they didn't bring any clothes to change them. So I didn't think much of it because I was there to try to love them and share Christ with them and... Left after nine days, and I went somewhere else, and I didn't think I'd ever see some of those kids again. And then uh, the guys that we were with, the Bulgarians, we would say, hey, would you like to see a Bulgarian orphanage? Of course we'd like to see a Bulgarian orphanage. So we go to this orphanage, and one of the little boys that we worked with, about this big, he comes running out because we're there. He didn't think he'd ever see us either. So he comes running out. I can't speak to him because I don't speak their language, you know. But I can... I can understand his grabbing my finger and pulling me. <laughs> I can get that, right? So I go with this little boy, and he takes me in, like all little boys would, to show me his room. So we go into his room, and there's no pictures on the wall, there's no dressers in his room, there's only like three or four beds in their room, and there's not even blankets on there, just sheets. This concrete floor, concrete walls, and nothing else. Light bulb hanging in the middle of the room. That was his room. And then the light bulb went on in my head. Because he still had on the same clothes. Light bulb went on in my head. That's all he's got. He doesn't have any other clothes. He's not going to get any other clothes until who knows when. That's all he had. And then we met a little girl. Fifteen years old, she was there too. We'd met her at the, at the camp, and she was there. And uh, she actually had changed her clothes after she got back to the orphanage. And so we were talking to her, and uh, some of the ladies on our team were talking to her, and we found out that she changed her clothes because she could afford clothes. You want to know why she could afford clothes? She was a prostitute. She's a prostitute. For the man in the village. So that she could buy things that she needed. Like clothes. You know, we we went from there to Zambia. <coughs> to to an orphanage in Zambia that we love with all of our hearts. And some of those kids we know by name. Some of the older kids we know by name. 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. I and mean, the stories break your heart. And yet there's some of the joyous kids, most joyous kids you could ever meet. And you go to yourself as you talk about orphans, you go, you know, man, why would we have to endure such things as an orphan Sunday? Why would you why would you ask us to pull back the veil on a world that makes us uncomfortable? Why would you ask us to to open our hearts to the living God who would seek to search our hearts to the place of calling us out beyond ourselves to recognize that we have the ability through our prayers and through our finances and through our willingness to love these children, we have the ability to make a difference. That's why, we, that's why we pull back the veil to some degree. And honestly, I believe that the American church has the greatest ability to impact the needy in the world. We are the wealthiest in the world. I know we don't like to admit that. We would rather moan and groan and complain as if we are not wealthy and as if we are not blessed and as if we haven't been given an abundance so that we can help others. I know we would rather play the martyr role then face the reality that you and I, for the most part, have never seen poverty like I just described. We don't even believe it exists. We don't believe that a 15-year-old girl would prostrate herself and prostitute herself just so she could have food or clothes. We don't believe that a 17-year-old could be overwhelmed with alcohol and drugs because he has no one to love him or care for him or his brothers or sisters. We don't want to believe that there are kids in this world that don't eat every day and won't ever eat every day because they don't, they don't have the money and they're never going to have the money to eat every day. We don't want to believe that because we are so wealthy, filthy wealthy, that for us suffering is to go to a restaurant and have it so busy we have to go to a different one. How unfair is that? We were really looking forward to steak and lobster tonight, but instead we'll have to settle for tacos. It's ridiculous what we what we see today, isn't it? And how we see. So as we talk about orphans, man, I want you to realize that it's not just about what we can see, and it's really not about what I can share with you. I mean you don't have to go far to see heartbreak in this world. He spent time with Nick and Sarah. I'll bet you they'll tell you from Mexico this past two weeks that they saw a need in Mexico. You don't have to go far. But the, the deal is, it's not about what you and I can see. It's about knowing God's heart for the needy. God's heart. You see, it's not a human response to need that we want. We want God's response to the need of orphans. And that's what we're going to talk about, God's heart for orphans and and how that impacts us this morning. So if you have your Bibles with you, please turn to James chapter 1 and read along with me, beginning in verse 19. James chapter 1, beginning in verse 19. This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion... Is worthless. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Let's pray together. Father, as we come this morning, I want to thank you that you are the Father of the fatherless, that you are a compassionate God that cares about the needs of your people that cares about the needs of the lost, that cares about the needs of the broken and the hurting, of the devastated and destructed. You care about those, Lord God, that no one else cares about. You are an incredible God, and I love you, and I praise you. As we open your word, we pray, Lord God, that you would speak to us through your word, that we would not just listen to your word and shake our heads in agreement, The Father, we would let your word penetrate our life and respond in obedience to what you call us to. May you be exalted here, Lord, and if there are those here this morning that are broken and that are lost, that are needy, I pray, Lord Jesus, that by the grace of your spirit that you'd speak to them and draw them to you, comfort them, provide for them, save them, and honor yourself in them, Lord, and I pray in Jesus' name, Amen. You know when you talk about orphans and you talk about scriptures james one twenty seven is probably the most famous verse there's many believers today that can at least quote this in some form or fashion they may hack it up a little bit but they get it right pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our god and fathers this to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself stained by unstained by the world we kind of get that right if you've been in church for very long you've probably heard Uh, pastors preach on this stuff before and and yet i find this verse to be one of the most shocking verses in scripture at least the most uncomfortable verse one of the most uncomfortable verses in scripture because he's talking about the religion that's real he's talking about the belief system that's real he's talking about what real christianity looks like he's not talking about what christianity looks like to you He's not talking about what you want your Christianity to be or to sound like or to feel like. He's not talking about some perceived relationship with God that is only contained in the confines of your comfort level. He's not talking about any of that. He's talking about what real Christianity looks like in this verse. And I've got to tell you, most American Christianity doesn't look like this. I mean, if we go back and we read those verses, I won't go back and read them all again, but, but basically, in verse 22, he says, Prove yourselves doers of the word, and not mere, merely hearers who delude themselves. When you hear the word of God, when you know the truth about God, you must respond by doing what the truth says. And if you don't, you delude yourself, you deceive yourself, you are fooling yourself if you claim To be a follower of Jesus Christ and yet do not do the word of God. That's not a follower. That's a phony. And there's a lot of phonies. Jesus said there would be a lot of phonies. He said there would be wolves in sheep's clothing that would infiltrate the church. He said that there would be tares among the wheat that would look an awful lot like wheat. But when the judgment day came, the angels would separate the tares from the wheat. And they would be burned in the fire. And the wheat obviously would be saved. Listen, the Bible tells us that just because you go to church, dress up nice, speak the language, whatever you want, that doesn't make you a follower of Jesus Christ. What makes you a follower of Jesus Christ is to have Christ in your life and be transformed by His Spirit, to have the desire to do what God does and wants to do in this world through you. That's what makes you a follower. And he says, man, to be... Uh, a hearer and not a doer makes you a phony verse 23 says if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer he's a man he's like a man who looks at his natural face in the mirror but once he has has looked at himself and gone away he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was in other words you can see who you are you can look in a mirror You can look in the mirror of your soul. You can know whether you are right or wrong. You can know whether you are holy or unholy. You can know whether you're doing what God wants you to do or not. You can know. You can look in the mirror and realize that you've not lived up to what God's called you to be. You can tell yourself all the nice things you want to. But the the person that's the phony says, I see who I am, really. I see. I see that I'm not living the way God wants me to live. I see that I'm not serving the way God wants me to serve. I see that Christ is not the Lord of my life, that I am the Lord of my life, or something else is the Lord of my life. I see it. But when they walk away from the mirror, they forget. Because they don't want to admit that they've seen the person that's real in their life. And how many of us this morning, how many of us could actually... Open our heart to that truth and say, God, man, search me out so that I'll see myself as I really am and then do something about it. I won't remain as the phony. I won't try to confess I'm something that I'm not. But I, I'll accept what you say about me, God. And in response to what you say about me, Lord, I'll follow you. Man, he says, that's the person that is not religious verse 26 if anyone thinks he himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart this man's religion is worthless and you could pick whatever part of the faith in christ that the word of god presents and say if you aren't living that way if you've deceived yourself believing that you're something that you're not your religion is worthless You see, the truth of the matter is is that those of us that know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior ought to have the same heart that God has. The same heart. The same desires. The same purpose. The same intent. I mean, if Christ lives in us, if we've been born again, the Scripture says that He does live in us, then as He lives in us, we ought to look and act and speak And go and do and give like Christ did while he was here. Right? It's not hard. It's not rocket science. It's easy. Galatians 2.20 says, For I have been crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. True religion means that the heart of God is going to beat in our hearts and we're going to respond to the people in this world like Christ responded to them. And according to James 1.27, it says pure and undefiled religion, the kind of religion that Christ revealed to us and is known by God is to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Man, can I kind of put that in a Mike Cooper paraphrase? True Christianity is to care for the most broken and needy people when you see them in their distress and to keep ourselves holy like our Savior was holy. It's pretty simple. It's not hard. Man, true Christianity is to recognize that God cares for the needy. He cares for the lost without a doubt. There is no one greater in need than the lost person. I don't care how wealthy they are. I don't care how smart they are. I don't care the type of education they have. I don't care the success they have or whatever. There's no one more needy than a lost man or woman or a boy and girl because they are separated from God and destined for God's judgment and wrath. Did God care for the lost? Most certainly, most certainly sent his son to die. To buy them, to redeem them, to save them from the consequences of their sin. Man, does God care for the needy? Yes. Does God care for the hurting? Absolutely. As you watch Christ, as you read through the New Testament, man, He loved the untouchable leper. Did He not? The one that no one else would love or care for. The need that that leper had was healing and He touched him. He to him, he cared for the blind and made them see. He cared for the lame and made them walk. He cared for the deaf and made them hear. He fed the hungry, he raised the dead. Was Jesus was Jesus about touching people's needs? Because you know it's crazy how we have twisted that around today to say that that's a social gospel to touch people's needs and care for them. Orphan ministry is a social gospel. We don't want a social gospel. We just want the gospel. Let's cut past helping people. Let's cut past feeding the hungry. Let's cut past clothing the naked. Let's cut past visiting those in prison. Let's cut past visiting those in the hospital. Let's cut past all that trivial stuff. That's not the gospel. Let's give them the gospel. That's what they need first. Oh, that's right. I mentioned some things that Jesus talked about. I think it's in Matthew 25, I think. I'm not sure about the chapter. But didn't he say that those that fed the hungry and clothed the naked and visited those in the hospital and visited those in prison, didn't he say that when you did that to them, even to the least of these, my brothers, that you did this to me also? Didn't he say that? Huh. Social gospel? Are you kidding me? It's ridiculous to think that we can be anything but that other than what Christ was. Man, true religion cannot be devoid of a passion for the broken and a passion for the needy. You can't talk about the orphan without talking about the widow. You can't talk about the orphan or the widow without talking about the stranger or the alien who's different than you. And we're going to read some scriptures in a minute that show that. You can't talk about that because God cares for the needy and today's... Some of the neediest in the world are orphans. Orphans have always been needy because they don't have anybody to take care of them. That's what the problem is, see. That's why orphans need others like us to minister to them because nobody else is taking care of them. Some of the boys that we minister to in uh, Zambia, some of the older boys, two brothers in particular, James and Blessed, You've been to Zambia, you can't forget James and Blessed. They have smiles about this wide, and I'm not exaggerating, and they are awesome. But they're what the Zambians call double orphans. Double orphans are mom and dad both died of AIDS. Single orphan is usually dad died of AIDS. So these are double orphans. And so these boys don't have parents. They're now the age where they're getting on their own, but on your own doesn't mean much in Zambia because there's no work. But these boys, when we first started going there, James, the older of the two, told me one day he was living with his aunt and uncle, he was really, really thankful for his aunt and uncle. And I said, man, that's awesome. I said, it's great that they can take care of you. He said, well, they do their best. And I said, well, what what does that mean, James? And he said, well, when my aunt and uncle have enough money to provide food, extra food, then I can eat. If they don't have extra money, then they eat and their kids eat first. And then if they have enough extra, then I can eat. And he said, and if they have enough money to buy shoes after they've bought shoes for their kids, then I get shoes. And he wasn't He wasn't mean. I even know his aunt and uncle, and they're awesome as well, by the way. It's just the way it is. If they don't have it, they don't have it. They don't conjure it up. They don't borrow it. They don't have credit cards. They can't go to the banks and get a loan. They don't have it. And so the orphans have this great need. And honestly, man, if you want to see the heart of God, see the heart of God as He loves the orphan and the needy. Because He does. I mean, He loves them quicker maybe and sooner by far than he loves us in all of our wealth. doesn't diminish his love for us, but listen. He has a heart for the broken and the needy and the orphan and the widow. Listen to what he writes in Jeremiah chapter 7 to those who would claim to be religious. He says in verse 1, Stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word and say, Hear the word of the Lord, all you of Judah, who enter by these gates to worship the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Amend your ways and your deeds, and I will let you dwell in this place. Do not trust in deceptive words, saying, This is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. For if you truly amend your ways and your deeds, if you truly practice justice between a man and his neighbor, if you do not oppress the alien, the orphan, or the widow, And do not shed innocent blood in this place, nor walk after other gods to your own ruin. Then I will let you dwell in this place, in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. You see what God's saying to Judah here? He's saying, listen, you, you claim that because the temple of the Lord is in in your capital, Jerusalem, you claim that because that's there, and because I have promised to dwell with you there, That you can live in unrighteousness. You can forget justice. You can take advantage of the alien or the orphan or the needy. You can just live any old nasty way you want to. And I'm not going to come and bring destruction to you. But God says, I want you to know that if you continue in your sinful ways just simply ignoring my heart, for justice and the needy if you ignore that i'm going to take you from your land i'm going to bring in destruction to your people but if you do what i ask you to do true and undefiled religion i'll let you dwell here i'll bless you listen god's not playing with us he's not playing a game with us we play a game with god god's not playing a game with us God expects us to show our faith in Him by the life that we lead because of His heart for orphans. But that's that's not all. I mean, man, God reveals His heart for the fatherless from way back. I mean, matter of fact, the Scriptures are clear about God as our Father. You know, we sometimes just miss some of the sweet simplicities of the Word of God and what they mean to us. God is our Heavenly Father. And He wants to display Himself to this world as their Heavenly Father. It says in Matthew 5.48, Therefore, you ought to be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect. Matthew 6.14, for if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Matthew six twenty six. Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And Luke eleven thirteen 13 says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? And God wants us to begin to see Him not only as our Heavenly Father, which is incredible, because we only have one perfect Father. And I love my Father, but He wasn't perfect, and I bet yours wasn't either. But I have a perfect one. And God wants us to begin to see that He desires to be the Heavenly Father to the broken and to the needy. It says in Psalm 68, 5-6, six, A father of the fatherless, and a judge for the widows is God in His holy habitation. God makes a home for the lonely. He leads out the prisoners into prosperity. Only the rebellious dwell in a parched land. Isn't that awesome? I mean, James chapter 4 tells us that God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble. God wants this world to know that He is there for the fatherless and for the widow and for the needy and for the broken and for those who are enslaved he wants you to know and he wants me to know and he wants the world to know that he is there for those that need him and when they cry out for him he comes quickly does he not why would we as his people not come quickly at the cry of the needy why would we as his people not come quickly at the cry of the lost Why would we not come quickly at the cry of those who are in prison? Why would we not come quickly to those who are enslaved to alcohol or drugs or whatever? Why? There's no answer to why. Other than we are the rebellious. Oh, please hear me. Please hear me. It's many within the body of Christ today that claim to be the true and undefiled religious That are the rebellious today. We don't cry out for God. Because we don't need him. We don't help others. Because God wouldn't care if we don't help others. We don't. Pray about it. Or think about it. Because we are so selfish. That we can't get past thinking about ourselves. Listen. God is the father of the fatherless. He cares for them. And his children ought to care for them as well. Listen to the words of God in Deuteronomy chapter 14, verses 28 and 29. At the end of every third year, you shall bring out all the tithe of your produce in that, in that year and shall deposit it in your town. The Levites, because, Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance among you, and the alien, the orphan, and the widow who are in your town shall come and eat and be satisfied in order that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hand which you do. Deuteronomy 24, 17-22 says, You shall not pervert the justice due an alien or an orphan, nor take a widow's garment in pledge. But you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt and that the Lord your God redeemed you from there. Therefore, I am commanding you to do this thing, when you reap your harvest in your field and have forgotten a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the alien, for the orphan, and for the widow, in order that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat your olive tree, you shall not go over the boughs again. It shall be for the alien, for the orphan, and for the widow. When you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not go over it again. It shall be for the alien, for the orphan, and for the widow. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I am commanding you to do this thing. From the very beginning of God's people, He has commanded them to recognize the needy and to provide for the needy. Why? Two reasons He gives us in these verses. One, so that I can bless you. When you recognize that I've blessed you with food to eat and given you an abundance, and you recognize that I've given you extra so that you can help those that don't have anything, I can bless you. Man, the attitude of giving is a blessing. In the book of Acts, we're told that it is better to give than to receive. More blessed to give than to receive. Amen? That's not the American way. The American way is it's more blessed to take and keep and accrue than to give, right? But the takers and the keepers and those that would accrue great wealth are broken and empty because they aren't experiencing the depth of God's blessing. But not only that, he said, I'm commanding you to do this. Because you should remember that you were a slave in Egypt and that I redeemed you from Egypt and I have blessed you and set you free. And because of that, you should bless others. Man, God says those of us who have been redeemed from sin, those of us who have been saved from sin, those of us who have been set free from God's judgment, man, we ought to be the most giving people in the world. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. We didn't one day get up and say, you know what, God, I've done enough good work, so now bless me, I deserve it, Lord. Did we? Please. How could you dare think that? And he says, I've redeemed you, so bless others like I have blessed you. If that weren't enough, in the book of Exodus, as God got ready to send His people toward the promised land, he says in Exodus 22, 21 through 24, You shall not wrong a stranger or oppress him. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You shall not afflict any widow or orphan. If you afflict him at all, and if he does cry out to me, I will surely hear his cry and my anger will be kindled. And I will kill you with the sword. And your wives shall become widows and your children fatherless. You think God takes the needy seriously? oh, you better believe it. And you know what? I'm thankful for that as I'm needy. Man, God is the father of the fatherless. And we think about orphans. It opens up our heart to the true heart of God as he looks at the world who's lost and dying and looks at the world who's broken and needy. He looks at the world who's hungry and needs clothing. And he says, man, that's my heart. Minister to them. Minister to them if that weren't enough, and I'll finish here quickly, man, when we look at God's heart for orphans, it reveals God's heart for us. For us. And I'm just going to read some Scripture to you so you can hear the Word of God clearly. Because it's pretty clear, speaking about us. It says in Ephesians 2, verses 12 and 13, Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That's one piercing scripture. Those without Christ have no hope and are without God in the world. It says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Man, that's some good news says in first john three one see how great a love the father has bestowed on us that we would be called children of god and such we are for this reason the world does not know us because it did not know him now so many people say well i'm a child of god because the bible says i'm a child of god same chapter same writer same holy spirit first john chapter 3 verse 10 says by this the children of god and the children of the devil are obvious Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. There's a distinction between those who are children of God and those who are not. You're not a child of God because you have breath in your body. You're a child of God because you're saved. If you're not saved, you're not a child of God. John 1, 12 and 13 says this, but as many as received him to them he gave the right to become children of God even to those who believe in his name who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh but nor of the will of man but of God you see it now do you see God's heart do you recognize that every man and woman on this planet is needy every man and woman on this planet is desperately needy and lost Every one woman and man on this planet needs God. Needs God to minister to them. And it says in Ephesians chapter one, verses three through six, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, God predestined us to adoption as sons of Through Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the kind intention of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, which He freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. Oh, now we're getting it. Not only does God care about us, but God sees us as children without a Father. Children without a Heavenly Father. Children without a Heavenly Family. Those of us that don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior are not part of God's family. Oh yes, we have been created by Him and in His image. But sin has separated us. Sin has caused us to be lost. Sin has condemned us. Sin keeps us from being God's. But His desire is to adopt us as His children. And that adoption comes through faith in Jesus Christ who paid the price for us. If you're going to adopt a child today, you're going to pay a price. You're going to pay a financial price. You're going to pay an emotional price. You're going to have to change your life. It's going to be completely different. You're going to pay a price. But if you adopt a child, you've come to the place where you've seen that child as worth it. And they are. They're worth it. But don't think yourself so wonderful. That's just the heart of God. That's God's heart. He sees us as worth it. He sent his son because he loves us. And he wants to adopt us because he loves us. Listen, Orphan Sunday, it's not hard for us. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, Orphan Sunday ought to be an incredible celebration. Don't you think? I'm not kidding. We ought to be kicking and screaming and jumping up and down as our Father saw fit to love us. And oh, we ought to look with anticipation in how we can minister to those who are broken and hurting and needy today in the world, thinking that perhaps... We could show them the love of the Father by caring for them, supporting them, or bringing them into our homes as our own, that they might come to know the Heavenly Father. said, so I can't think of anything in the world I could ever say to you that would be more blessed than to say that God loves you and wants to make you His own. I can't think of anything more precious And I can't think of anything I could ever say that would, I pray, touch your heart more deeply that God wants to bring you into His family and adopt you. Man, if you don't know Him, it's simple. Admit that you are a sinner. Admit it. Say, Lord Jesus, my sins have ruined my life and cost me eternity, and I'm sorry. I need you. He's so thrilled to hear you say, I need you. And I believe that Jesus died and rose again. And I want you, Lord Jesus, to save me. I'm trusting you alone with my life. And if you'll do that today, you'll become a child of God. Today. And no one ever will be able to snatch you out of your father's hand. One of the greatest joys that I have in my life is to look at these orphans that we minister to after they've been saved and realize, though I am not sufficient to provide for everyone or to house everyone or to minister to everyone, I know that my Father and theirs will never leave them. Never. Man, you want some joy? Come to the Father. Let's pray together. Lord, I love you. I thank you for the simple truths of your word and i ask lord god that we would not be hearers only of your word but that we would be doers that we would be the men and the women and the church that would reach out to the needy and the broken to the alien and the widow and the orphan to the lost around us and share the great hope that god loves them that they can have a heavenly father through jesus christ our lord I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would recognize that we are called to care for what you call, care about. And I pray, Lord Jesus, for those that are here this morning that don't know you, that even today they might give their life to Jesus Christ through faith, trusting that he alone will forgive them of their sins and give them everlasting life. Would you move in this invitation this morning and may you be honored as we respond. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's stand and respond to the Lord this morning.